Hi folks, I'm Adam Skandarani and you are listening to the Brilliant Dog Pod, where we're talking all things dog training. The only rules, it's got to be effective, it's got to be fair, and it's got to be fun. Hello everyone. Today I have a really good Patreon question that was asked a little while back about working within accessibility needs. Sky asks, how do you navigate a client's lack of accessibility, physically, mentally, financially, etc., to something their dog may need to support the whole wellness picture? What systems do you have in place or have you seen colleagues put in place to help support those teams? It's a really good question, Sky, and it's a question that took me a really long time to decide how I want to answer. It's hard, and everyone has different accessibility and support needs. I generally work with people who are themselves neurodivergent and or physically disabled, Um, And I myself am a neurodivergent and physically disabled um, trainer. So I generally begin asking clients what they think they're capable of. And naturally, everyone always overestimates their abilities. And then I discuss what meeting my dog's needs looks like for me as a neurodivergent and physically disabled individual. And so for me, what that looks like um, is uh, two-mile hikes about three times a week on flat ground with very little elevation, um, chewing or shredding activities one to two times a day, usually after hikes or breakfast on non-hike days, and one in the evening to help facilitate rest. At least one five to ten minute training session each day, although for Wibble these days it is a max of one training session since we are working on resting him and not training him uh, too much, not overtraining him. Um, And then, of course, both dogs have classes for their various dog sports, so depending on the day of the week, they are one or the other is going to classes, and then they are sleeping for the rest of the day. I do so much with my dogs on a regular basis that when I do need to take three or four days in a row to rest and allow my body to heal and recuperate, they're going to be fine. And it's because I create a culture of abundance around the four steps of behavioral wellness. And if you're unfamiliar with what the four steps to behavioral wellness are, they are created by Sarah Streming and of the cognitive canine, and they are nutrition, exercise, enrichment, and communication. And they are the steps or the buckets that you need to fill in order to have a behaviorally well dog. And Sarah has been teaching this for a very long time, and it's the model with which I operate my business under. So when I create a culture of abundance, it makes it so that on the days that I cannot do much or anything for my dogs, my dogs are still satisfied and my dog's needs are still mostly met. Things that can help people with accessibility needs um, vary depending on the need, and I can't really speak to everything that I put into place for all my clients with accessibility needs because they're so personal and they're so individual as well. 
But in general, things that can help are things like hiring a dog walker, asking your neighbors to help. Um, If finances are a big deal and finding enrichment opportunities um, are limited because of finances, you can buy a bunch of brown paper bags, you know, those lunch bags from the grocery store for a dollar. Or you can recycle Amazon and Chewy boxes if you get those delivered regularly. You can recycle tissue boxes or toilet paper rolls, old towels or bed sheets, etc. to create enrichment projects for your dogs. And another thing that can help is getting creative. I know people hate this answer. But the tips and tricks I give my clients came from years and years of me having to get creative and figure it out on my own, so I do know that it in fact can be done. But that doesn't mean that I don't support my clients when I am helping them figure it out or helping them get creative. I just kind of prompt them to get the creative juices flowing by giving them some ideas and then asking them to come up with ideas of their own before implementing them, sometimes as homework assignments. And we also have to remember that, unfortunately, the world isn't created with our accessibility needs or even our dog's needs in mind. So regardless of any information I can and do give, you're going to have to do some of the work yourself or make some sacrifices in order to make it work because of the way our world is created. And I know that is not an ideal answer and that's not even a good answer, but unfortunately that is the way it is. You have to put in some effort or make sacrifices in order to make something work. You also want to consume as much media that resonates with you as you can. You'll find lots of great nuggets there. Um, And I'm thinking podcasts, books, ebooks, audiobooks, and free content as much as you can from the accounts that resonate with you. So for example, um, when I didn't have nearly as much money to spend on private training as I do now, I utilized um, Sarah's podcast, uh, Cogdog Radio, quite a bit, and I was able to really think about the episodes that I listened to and see how I could implement those in my everyday life, even if I was no longer doing agility with Flash at the time. Because for various reasons, Flash's agility career was over before it ever started. And so what I did was I would take something that resonated with me and I would find a way to apply it to my life, to my situation, and then I would try it. And if it worked, great. And if it didn't, I let it go. But working with my own dogs is where I do my experimentation. I never experiment with client dogs. I only do what works or what I know works. And of course, as always, if everything fails, we'll need to consider, unfortunately, the dog's long-term success in your home. Is it a suitable environment for the type of dog that you have, or is rehoming a better option for everyone involved? I know it sucks, 
but it is a question we need to ask ourselves. Is my inability to meet my dog's needs for behavioral and overall wellness too much of a barrier for my life? And is it better off if my dog were in a home that could more readily meet its needs? And we have discussed in earlier podcasts that um, rehoming is not a dirty word and it is not meant to be a last resort. It is something that anyone can do for any reason and it should be judgment free. But it isn't always judgment free and I understand that stigma still exists. That said, if rehoming your dog to a home that is better suited to meeting this individual dog's needs is the better option for this dog, then we need to consider it. That doesn't mean that that's ultimately what's going to end up happening Obviously, my goal is obviously to keep dogs in their home for as long as possible, as safely as possible, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way, and that sucks, but I do the best that I can to make sure that I am supporting my clients to the best of my abilities and support them through the best of their abilities to be able to meet their dog's needs. Um, One of the ways I do that is by making sure that I help research dog walkers if they can afford a dog walker to take their dogs out on adventure hikes, for example, and to be able to meet their off-leash needs Um, or long line needs as whatever is appropriate for that dog. Um, And it can also look like sharing my own personal struggles and my own personal journey with my own dog. And it looks like um, helping them find a behavior vet, a veterinary behaviorist, who can prescribe medication that would help support the dog in the absence of the ability to meet all of its needs. Because I believe that if a dog cannot safely stay in its environment and be fulfilled and thrive, then something needs to change. Either the environment needs to change, what we're doing needs to change, or medication needs to be introduced to the dog so that the dog can cope better with the lack of whatever it needs being met, if that makes sense. Um, So those are some of the things that I do to help my clients. But everything I do, I wish I could answer this question in a much more concise way, um, or should I say a much more detailed way. This is actually a pretty concise answer. I wish I could be a little more detailed with it because um, I would love to be able to give inspiration and give help to um, my listeners, but it's so individualistic and so different for everyone that I don't have a specific system in place. It is case by case. And because of that, I guess the best thing I can do 
is to create a case study specifically surrounding accessibility needs. And I actually have a case study in mind. So I'll see about getting that done for y'all and present it here on the podcast. In the meantime, if you have any questions or need ideas of how to best support yourself or your clients while working within accessibility needs, please shoot me an email over at flashofbrilliancedogs at gmail.com or you can join my Patreon and ask me over there and I will be happy to throw some ideas out for you and see what resonates with you. Until next time, happy training. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to support the podcast in a more tangible way, you can head over to my Patreon linked in the show notes and show your support that way. Until next time.